Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. Jay Ferrugia isn't a man who merely talks about change. He embodies it. Ferrugia has dedicated himself to his own personal development, first both physically and mentally, and then emotionally. Part of his journey sparked his desire to create a weekend experience for men to be around other men and develop themselves similarly. This includes opening up about insecurities and sharing painful experiences. Ferrugia believes that the ability to share and learn in this environment of other strong males is anything but toxic masculinity. The result is more confident and compassionate men who embrace their inner strength as a tool to lead and care for others. Imagine that shit. Here it is, episode 282. Power Athlete Nation, it is that time again no not christmas time it's not easter it's close to halloween though isn't it oh yeah what are you gonna be me oh i'm gonna go as tex so <laughs> so <laughs> four inches shorter and uh, uh, wearing a fur coat so and, so you're gonna walk around on your knees wearing a uh, telling bad jokes yeah wearing a wearing a fur coat john do you hang on telling you're an nfl jokes. guy shouldn't you have a fur coat uh no you, you know never why? had a because uh, i'm all huh. no i don't have a fur coat but i do very similar and the only thing close to it i have was in Philly, like, uh, it was real cold, and we went into this store on South Street, and I bought a, uh, a leather jacket that had, like, uh, sheep's lining on the inside, oh, similar yeah. to what Vin Rocky... Diesel. Well, similar to what Rocky wore in Rocky Four. Sounds like fought. a Vin Diesel quote. I got uh, one of those jean jackets. Well, no, no, this was, like, leather, and it had the interior, so I was so excited. I wore it out. It was great. Um, and then... It, it was like like negative 18 that day and then i wore it out when it was pretty cold probably like zero whatever uh i was sweating so bad <laughs> by the time i got where i was going it was so hot i never wore it again but i still have it i tried to throw it away and bob Wellborn kept it and didn't tell me and it. then when i when i uh, was back at home my mom was trying to like you know unload some stuff on me and i was like is that that fucking jacket? And she's like, oh, yeah, he was, was going to wear it. I'm like, where? The Arctic? <laughs> and uh, so I still have it, but that's as close as I have. But one of my favorites was uh, a bunch of the, the brothers that I played with uh, would always have these, like, full-length hats and the whole deal. And I just remember thinking, like, that's a lot of minks. How many yeah. minks had to die for you for you to wear that shit? I don't know. I ask Tex the same thing every day. <laughs> Speaking oh, of all that body hair, ladies and gentlemen, we are just weeks oh, away from Wade's tax. Day, and the wax tax is still on. We've had a great velocity of donations towards Wade's Army, our 501c3 charity that is bringing the fight to the most fatal neuro, uh, fatal pediatric cancer, neuroblastoma. And in case you don't know, Tex is going to wax his full body live at the symposium. Upper body. (laughs) Full upper body. Not live at the symposium. Well, they don't know that yet. I'm about five grand short of my $20,000 goal, and the Mm -hmm. reason I set it so high is I didn't think... It could happen. I'd get this close. But Power Athlete Nation, it is you that has the power to help us wax... I got the power! ...wax this fur Dude, if we just play Snap... I got the power over and over again. Is Texas just getting waxed? Mm-hmm. That's what's going to happen. So, how can they help? Not only how can they do two things at once, Tex? They're going to kill two birds with one stone. They're going to help us bring the fight to this nasty pediatric cancer, and they're going to help all the ladies out there that would swoon over you if you were just a hairless cat. So that's what's holding me back. Uh-huh. Oh. All right. I think more improv, as we'll learn in this episode. But before we do that. Neuroblastoma, our main, one of our main objectives is, is to raise awareness for a childhood cancer called neuroblastoma. 
and what raising awareness is, it's getting our posts out there, getting the name, giving neuroblastoma a name. And just this year already, we've had two families, two friends of families contact us that their child, their friend's child has neuroblastoma. And then now we're in a position to help them. So that is awareness. It's not just showing off by posting and saying, oh, I'm doing something good. No, it's, it's getting the name out there so people are aware of what this childhood cancer is and then connecting them with us so we can help that family. Mm-hmm. That is a true definition of awareness, and it's just one of the things we're doing. So check out wadesarmy.org or our Instagram or Facebook page, Wade's Army. Super easy to find. That's where we deliver our, our facts, our content, and show the, the kids that we are empowering and helping financially and, or through emotional support with their parents. And that's, that's one of our, our big deals. So wadesarmy.org or at wadesarmy for Instagram or Facebook. And then if you would like to contribute to the wax tax to uh, sigh, see this thing go down, give.classy.org slash T-E-X. And ladies and gentlemen, we are just a few days away from Wade's Day, which is a, a November 12th where we will be posting a workout on all of our programs, Field Strong, Grindstone, Bedrock, uh, one of them at Jack Street. We're going to be pushing this out there. Uh, we have Wade's Wad that we have done for the past few years. Man, I've lost count. Five years? Seven. 2012 oh was my. the first one. Okay. So last seven years. So if you want to participate in that, check it out. That will also be posted up on social media on Wade's Day. Uh, if you don't know what it is, it's a lot of pull-ups. It's a lot of weighted, weighted pull-ups and other stuff, but mostly all you'll remember is a lot of weighted pull-ups. But get involved. Help us spread the word. We're making changes here, people. We're changing the world, and you can join us, right? Now, let's barrel forward to our guest. Today, we're going to learn about all sorts of stuff, right? It's pretty, yeah. pretty rich conversation. All Jay Ferrugia has lot. been in this fitness industry for a long time, but spoiler alert, we stray a bit from that discussion. Well, he, I mean, but but really, it's all pertinent. But really, you see the evolution of a man. Right. I mean, uh, you know, as he travels you know, down this strength conditioning road, and it's about strength, and here and there, he's really evolved. And um, you know, it's the thing that we've hoped for every individual that they you know, start in their journey, and that evolution kind of takes them to not only uh, re-examine not only the physical, but the mental, the emotional. And they say, you know, an unexamined life is a life un- unworth living. And so as he examines his life, he works to improve himself physically, emotionally, mentally, and, you know, goes from being an introvert to an extrovert. And now is in a position where, you know, he's trying to help people be better versions of themselves. And, um, you know, you got to commend everybody on that, anybody on that, and him especially. So, Jay, what's <laughs> going on, up? man? Uh, thanks for joining us on Power Athlete Radio. I guess what we do, as you, you know, you're familiar with a little bit with your show, uh, in case someone hasn't heard of you, some of our listeners, but, you know, our parents, I should say, our six parents here. And, well, uh, no, we have seven. Somebody yeah, else confirmed. That's right. And then uh, the intern who's off screen. Uh, give us a little bit of info on yourself, man. How'd you get here? And I know you, you've been doing this stuff for quite a long time, right? So it's going to be yeah. fun to kind of go down memory lane and just be like, yeah, we've been doing this for years, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I started, uh, I first got into fitness as a kid who was just, Kind of just a skinny, weak kid, but obsessed with, you know, growing up in the 80s, watching Schwarzenegger and Stallone on the big screen and Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior every Saturday morning. And uh, and my, my cousin Christine was was dating a wrestler named Eric, who was not with WWE, but a smaller federation. And, and uh, this was 1987 when I when I really started lifting seriously. And he got me into it. So I went from doing absolutely nothing 
to doing like this seven day a week, like two hour body part split and everything. And so I, you know, kind of figured it out over the next few years. And then it eventually was introduced to older stuff. Like back then, you know, before the internet, you could only uh, buy books in the back of Iron Man magazine. So then I finally found like uh, John McCallum, Keys to Progress and Randall J. Strawson. And then I went through the whole gamut of everything, the old stuff, you know, from, from uh, Vince Deronda and, and, and Larry Scott into the West Side stuff and, and, and uh, Bill Pearl. I mean, you name it, everything back then. So finally figured it out over time and uh, interned in the weight room throughout college and then came home from school and started training people. Uh, when I was 19, I started training people, got my first certification, started training people that summer and continued throughout the rest of school. And then I uh, saved up every dime and eventually opened my own underground. It was literally underground. It was in a basement warehouse style gym in uh, 1996. That was kind of the early days, the beginning. Nice, man. And you're from the East Coast? Jersey, yeah. Where, yeah, that was in Jersey. Where in Jersey? North Jersey, South Jersey? Uh, Central, Somerset County, like uh, Basket Ridge, Watch on Warren, Plainfield. Yeah. No, I used to live in Jersey. So, yeah, South Jersey, yeah, right outside Philly. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm yeah. Pretty, pretty familiar with the Jersey area. Uh, my wife's actually from North Jersey. Okay. Yeah. So, like Bergen County? Uh, up near uh, Morristown. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's super close to where I was. Yeah. 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 Can you paint the picture of the, the fitness industry, the fitness scene for us in that time when you were first opening up your facility? Man, I really remember, to me, at least in that area, all all there was was like Golds and World Gym and uh, whatever, the like maybe Valleys or something. And that was it. You know, it's not like when you walk around up and down the streets and people are doing snatches and squats and everything. Like nobody was doing that that I remember back then. And uh, you just you just go to, go to Golds and do kind of the Cybex machines, and that was what everyone was doing. And the only place for info – that was readily available to most of us was just like flex or muscle and fitness. So that's, that's kind of what you did. And it, it was this book, dinosaur training. That I'm sure you guys are familiar with it. Oh, came yeah. out in 1996 by Brooks Kubik. And I read that and I was like, Oh man, this is amazing. I, I got to get a bunch of this stuff. And, and you couldn't go on rogue and order it. So, you know, in Jersey, you had to know a guy who knew a guy who could get you like chains and ropes and anvils and stuff like that. And uh, I just thought it was the coolest thing. So, I got all that stuff in there. And that, that's really what kind of blew up the business at the beginning was all the parents of the high school athletes were like, man, no place around this is doing this. So I had every leading rusher, every leading scorer, like from all the towns around coming in all the time. And then eventually it started to become a bigger thing. And this huge multi-million dollar sports performance place opened up down the street. And some people were nervous, but I was like, no, nah, it's not going to do anything. I don't think it's going to do anything. Mm -hmm. I just had that confidence at the time. And it actually did nothing to the point where this, the owners of this big facility were like kind of shit talking me and tell, oh, don't go there. Don't go to that underground gym. They don't know what they're doing. But meanwhile, we were dominating. So uh, I think that was why I kind of, when I, when I started like writing on Dave Tate's site and whatnot in 2001, I think I kind of garnered a following because not a ton of people were doing that back then. You know, not a lot of people had those kinds of gyms. And so I remember Zach Evanesh and, and Mark Bell and James Smith and all these guys uh, calling me and asking me, like, how, how, do, how do you get started? How do you develop one of those kinds of gyms and stuff like that? So it gets standard operate. Everybody's phones on mute. It's like going to a movie yeah. theater. You know, you're yeah. about to fire up the previews, which, in my opinion, are the best part of the movie. 
is seeing unless what's it's coming Mission up. Impossible. No, in fact, unless it's MI six, right? It was six. Uh, have you guys seen the new one? Oh, oh, yeah. oh yeah. unbelievable! I thought I'm it was fucking, amazing. I'm such an ass. Really? Oh, oh. I've heard that. I, I highly recommend it. And if you still get the opportunity to see it in the theaters, it's a great theater movie. Yeah, and what is, yeah, yeah. Mission Impossible. So, Jay, oh. here, for what it's worth, too, I've absolutely loved it, but I do need to let you know I like basically every fucking movie that I can sit down and go numb to. <laughs> you know, like if my jaw is dropping, I'm mouth breathing, it's a good movie, which is literally every fucking movie. Now, Tex, on the other hand, fun fact about Tex, is a picky, like it has to have the right lighting and the, the no, story no, no, no. arc has to come I'm, at a certain velocity. More and, so the story, the arc, uh, the, the just entertaining the hero's journey. No, I have to be. You know, sold. I feel you with that. I'm with you with that. Uh, yeah. You two, you, you yeah. bunch of. And I gotta believe the, if, if it's a love story. I gotta believe it. It's not like the <laughs> love story in the Furious where you can just write two people uh, that would never in real life get together. How? But have you seen Explain. Tom Cruise's wife in Mission Impossible? Dude, spot on. Yeah, isn't that Liv Tyler? No. I don't know her name, but she's she fits in a crowd, and that's the whole point. <laughs> if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. She just fits into a crowd, and she needs to to keep Ethan Hunt's identity safe. So are you telling us you're Ethan Hunt? Basically. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, I'm sorry for that, Jay. I didn't know that text was going to be absolutely absurd in front of our guest. <laughs> we're connecting oh, no. story arcs, the hero's journey. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I feel you on that. Yeah, so the classic strength and conditioning podcast gets into Mission Impossible, which we could talk about Tom Cruise's amazing sprint technique. Honestly, that <laughs> it is beautiful. <laughs> cheek, cheek sprinting. Uh, I'm just amazed that he's 56 years old. Yeah, that I mean, you mu- I mean, as you know, you're living out in L.A. To stay young, you have to drink the uh, the blood of the young, which obviously he's consuming yeah. it by the case. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't realize he was 56. That's pretty impressive. Well, the crazy part is I saw uh, somebody put out that uh, Wolford Brimley, when he filmed Cocoon, was the same age as Tom Cruise's in the new Mission Impossible. Are you shitting me? <laughs> yeah, and they oh, did like a so, side-by-side. Yeah, and they did. <laughs> but, but I remember when Cocoon came out. Like, I, like I remember we were, we were pretty young. I remember we went and saw it in the movie theaters. And uh, I remember thinking, like, those people are so old. It's so nice that they get to swim with those big rocks and they feel better <laughs> yeah, because yeah. they're fucking old. <laughs> And I just remember thinking, like, like, and I saw that, and I was like, holy shit, dude. Like, uh, old is a, a complete different state of mind. I mean, like, you know, like, um, yeah, you know, we uh, before we moved out here about a year and a half ago, I lived in Newport Beach, and that's where I'm from, Southern California. And I remember seeing my neighbors and having no concept of how old they were. If they could have been 20, they could have been 70. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. just so weird. And you're just like, they just, yeah, I'm like, I don't really know, so. Well, diabetes will do that to you. Real, real <laughs> <laughs> Ages you in cocoon years? Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> diabetes. The diabetes. So what's going on, man? I guess you've been... So this is back in the 90s, then you're doing this stuff, right? Yeah. Yep. It, yeah. So, like, I, uh, I was training people from 94, and then by 96, I had saved up enough money to open up the gym. Wow, man. That's So and have you been straddling the line of like fitness and then it sounds like you're working with athletes and, and performance so like there's this adult fitness market where people aren't really competing in anything they just want to look like they are right and good on them right uh yeah. and then there's the the other side of the fence where the training isn't the test it's the vessel to your on-field performance right so i guess you've dabbled in both sides of that as well totally yeah and i was kind of and like you mentioned there nowadays most people most average adults do want to train for performance or train like an athlete more so than they did 20 years ago, you know? 
so I was kind of doing that early on too, where I, I, I eventually, I don't know, five, six years into it, playing with everything, I kind of developed this, this West Side hybrid system that I really liked. And, you know, to keep things simple, I had all my regular people on that too. So all my athletes were on that and all my adult clients were on that as well. Obviously with some modifications. Um, and that was just a system. Once I found that and it worked and I could, I could kind of adapt it to any client, I, I just always stuck with that and, and, and made that work for every, every kind of situation. And, and networking, connecting, you, you mentioned Dave Tate and Zach Evanash. What was your ability to network? We don't have social media back then. We don't have Instagram. So did you drive to their facilities in Ohio and up, I guess, up the beach, up the shore to connect <laughs> with these guys? Oh, look down at the, you. Down the shore. Down the shore. Down the shore. Yeah, yeah. go down there and get some chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> well, depending on how you look uh, at the map, up is down. No, but no. I, uh, I guess uh, LBI would be up at the shore. Like they go out to the island, but I don't think I've ever yeah. heard anybody ever say that. I've never heard anybody say, say that. Up at, the, up at the shore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, just going through yeah. it. But what's weird is where you're from, Jersey. It's not really that big, but like their shores are different. So for us, it was like Sea Isle and that type of stuff, you know. So for those guys, a little bit different. Uh, but yeah, it's almost like a like a like totally different state. Like we from from where we're from, we don't go there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because yeah. like the South Jersey trash is fucking. Yeah. It's. I mean, the people that he saw at the Gold's Gym in the late '80s, early '90s, uh, they transported themselves to the Jersey Shore, and they're they're right now in the same outfits. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> uh, dude, I, I, I remember, I mean, geez, I was uh, I graduated high school in 94. So we used to train at the Gold's Gym in like 91, 92. And I dude, there was straight up like uh, the dudes with like the cutout like sweatshirts with like no necks and fanny packs and like those auto mix <laughs> yeah. boots with like the lift. We used to call them like the lifter. The jack pants, but, and they were the uh, like, um, what do you call them? The um, Zuba, the Zuba pants. And, Zubaz, legit, Zubaz. And, Zubaz. And, and, and these dudes used to, I mean, and there were some massive bodybuilders that used to go in there and uh i just remember like that was their uniform and like nobody really thought anything about it and they all drove like nissan 300 z's like weird fucking cars they were always like and uh but i just remember like those guys were real good and like you were talking about like where do you get your workouts and through books the the biggest uh, you know workout thing like information or whenever we got there is there was always like hey bro what are you doing and then they would always give you this advice on like something weird like hey if you're gonna do you know uh rear delts do this and these guys would always kick us these exercises mm -hmm. and i was like i keep doing just it but getting I don't, in the wild but i just don't observation look, well i just remember like we we did all the stuff that they told us but we never looked like them <laughs> and then uh and, and then I, and then i remember like <laughs> Oh, and then, um, you know, then we figured out, you know, that there were these things called steroids and uh, we were like, oh, OK, that's how those guys got so big. We just thought they showed up here all the time and ate a lot of chicken and had bad gas. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's uh, it, it, but I mean, dude, it, it's such a weird like um, evolution to, to see where the gym culture has come from, from like, you know, you see like the pumping iron and, the you know, Arnold and those guys. And then, you know, you were talking about Vince Garanda and, you know, you see this evolution of bodybuilding. It's this kind of underground cult thing. And it always did. And then somewhere this whole. I hate to say it, it fucking gives me a bad taste, but functional fitness, mm. uh, you know, where, you know, it kind of came out from the Cybex machines. You're talking about dinosaur training, which I read years ago and like love the idea of it. And, uh, you know, and that was kind of a, a premise of some of the stuff we do in Field Strong on our program, this idea of like, you know, just don't look like you're strong. Like how did, you know, how does your strength apply in terms of this older kind of subset? Uh, and, you know, just playing football, it just kind of was... You kind of need it, or you're going to get your fucking ass rolled up. Well, it's but, our old yeah. it's our old saying: form follows function, right? Or I guess you're saying, but yeah. one of our seminar 
Yeah. That was one of our seminar key points when we would go educate is, you know, people, whether or not they want to admit it, people are oftentimes in the gym for the aesthetics, even if you're a hard charger performance guy. Well, I mean, the best trick the devil ever played, I mean, really, and I've said it for CrossFit, right. is convincing that it's about health and performance. I'm like, fuck, dude. Right. It was about health and performance, and why are yeah. fucking everybody nuding up all the time in every fucking shirtless selfie? I mean, yeah. do those... And, dude, I'm not chastising any girl for wearing those shorts. I really appreciate what that they want to wear those. <laughs> but, like, those can't be comfortable in any work environment. Try what? They're nice. Have you have you tried them on? Uh, <laughs> looks like I wear my girls' shorts constantly. Uh, but like it just I you know and um, I, I think unless you know like like the whole aesthetics thing. But I mean when we were kind of doing some research and I you know obviously uh, you know read a ton of your stuff and seeing you peripherally, uh, you work with a really interesting audience of people where it's like um, you know kind of this uh, you know kind of hark back to a more physical day, you know, than trying to uh, askew some of this bullshit. I mean, just going through your website, it's like, you know, 90% of what you've been told or 95% you're told is wrong. Like, this is how these things get done. And, um, you know, we always think that the majority of people are just trying to sell something. And what you're just trying to sell is like, hey, here's the basics. And it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody, especially nowadays, and I used to think, 10, 20 years ago that people were overcomplicating shit. Now people are really overcomplicating the fuck out of everything. And yeah, I mean, you can't, you know, you can't go wrong with just going back to the basics. Like I look at my bookshelf and I see uh, Saxon and Hackenschmidt and, you know, what worked in 1906 will still work. I mean, I, sometimes I'll pick up those books and I'll flip through and I'll see like George uh, Hackenschmidt's progression for beginners. It's like, do, uh, whatever weight for five reps, stick with that weight until you can get 10 reps and then add five pounds. I'm like, well, that's a sensible progression for a beginner that will work from the, from now until forever, you know, dude, it worked for Milo, you know, as yeah. Milo got bigger, the bull got bigger and he kept picking it up the, you know, the basic linear progression, uh, Callie who worked for us or still works for us. She went and bought all these old, uh, like uh, bodybuilding magazines from like the twenties and the thirties and forties. Right. She just like bid on something on eBay and got all this weird shit. And so she brings in, she's all excited. And we started pouring over all the old bodybuilding magazines and like they had training programs to increase your eye strength. Like that was like how cool they were. Like they were like, ah, oh, you got to work on your eye strength. You got to like open wide and close and look yeah. side to side. Uh, yeah. but like, uh, you know, and the other one was like, you know, I just remember reading all like uh, brewer's yeast and like they were talking about right. like, liver pills. Yeah. And, you know, if you oh, go oh. read all the stuff about, you know, phospholipids, like now that's a big thing. And like, like they weren't, uh, they, they were fucking spot on in a lot of the stuff. I mean, uh, like just, yeah, like, like seeing their strength progressions, like, Hey, do something. And then, you know, I mean, like it just, it, uh, I think the problem comes down to is the basics are hard to sell because they're not sexy and everybody right. just looks for the sexiest thing. Like the day that somebody told me that you have to Olympic lift, you have to snatch clean and jerk to develop athleticism. I'm like, how many guys in the NFL you think snatch clean and jerk regularly? But I think we're also attracted as a, just as a population in the tech world to innovation, right? And I think that some things that are being trying to be peddled are done so in they're not like a malicious intent. They, people just think they've innovated something, but they yeah. haven't been around long enough to know that they're, they're I guess reinventing the wheel, right? Um, or just putting a different packaging on stuff that. Like you said, in the 19, early 1900s, hey, we've been doing this type of shit. Well, I mean, they looked at um, uh, the Cro-Mag guy that the, or the, the Cro-Mag fossils that they found. I think there was like 40,000 years ago. Um, they just recently did some DNA sampling. Uh, guess how different the, the DNA code is from the individual they just sampled for northern Europeans today? 
Ah, fucking one it's, point oh one percent. It's identical. Huh. It, uh, yeah. So we haven't evolved. Like, well, the, I have. The, I feel like I have. Well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to get back to that. Right. Uh, but like, that's the thing where like, you know, you, you get into this deal and it's like, uh, there, uh, I think that, you know, we've obviously found a lot of information that I think has continued to drive it. But at the end of the day, you know, everybody's so focused on the top of the pyramid. Like when you're talking about you right. know, developing somebody for an Olympic sport or a gold medal or to get somebody to, uh, you know, perform, you know, in the greatest show or a greatest fashion show at the NFL Combine. Um, you know, there's this really, really small percentage of people that ever get there and that's what it's working for. And the problem is that is the sexiest stuff. Mm -hmm. So they see like, Oh, what's this guy doing? What's this guy doing? When most people just need fucking just consistency and basics and, you know, to add some, you know, different changes of, of, uh, of stimulus. If they're stick to it long enough. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, consistent enough, uh, but, uh, you know, and I'm sure you've seen this Jade, like, uh, you know, you've seen people that are pretty strong with barbells. And I remember Dave Tate and I had an interesting conversation about it. He's like, you know, uh, I would rather have a guy um, who is, you know, physically strong. You know, we were talking about training athletes, and he's like, yeah, you know, we've had, you know, football players and guys come over the years and show up to, uh, to Louis' deal that were, you know, pretty strong with the barbells, and then Louis would put them into situations where uh, it was not advantageous, and he goes, their strength was just worthless. And he's like, yeah. you know, and I remember him and Louis being like, you know, you know barbell strong is not going to help you on the field. So that's why, you know, the GPP stuff and what always Louis was always trying to, which is always kind of funny because uh, Louis was the only guy I ever saw do any of the GPP training work. All the other guys were just trying to get out of there to go fucking eat. But yeah. um, that level of strength, and you were talking about the West Side, I mean, there's a, a very real real component to that stuff of like, you know, are you strong under the barbell or are you physically strong in other ways? And that's the lifting of odd implements that we've seen, you know, develop into some form of strength. Yeah, man. We listened to you speak at Summer Strong 11 this, this past May. And you had one of the most unique presentations. I've been to three Summer Strongs, and it was the only one like it. Can you walk us through the thought process of developing that and then the message that we can share with our listeners that didn't get the opportunity to go? Sure, yeah. I mean, well, it's funny. I knew Bert, you know, back in the early 2000s when I used to order stuff from my gym all the time. And then uh, I've been out here, out in Cali, eight years now, and I hadn't really been, even the last few years at the gym, I hadn't really ordered anything new. So I kind of just fell out of touch with Bert. So it, it had been probably 10 years since I spoke to him, really. And Brandon Lilly reconnected us. And Bert came out and uh, we met up in Venice. We had lunch, hit it off. It was great. Uh, and what was really cool is we both evolved and grown so much in that time. So that was what we ended up having lunch for about three, four hours, just talking about all the stuff we've gone through personally the last 10 years. We really didn't talk about training like we, w- we would have in the past. It was just like, man, here's what I was struggling with. Here's what I went through. Uh, here are the things that I overcame, the insecurities I dealt with, whatever. And bro was like, I'd love to have you come to Summer Strong and kind of talk a little bit about that. And I said, cool. Well, you know, what, what, do, what do people normally talk about? I want to do something different. So I basically shared my journey of, uh, you know, being, a, a, as a kid, as I mentioned, being like this skinny, insecure, weak kid who would get beat up or whatever. And then I became, you know, I got, I graduated high school. I was, I was six foot, 147 pounds. I eventually was, was 230. I mean, my face was this big. I wasn't lean by any stretch, but like, you know, I got, I got fairly strong, uh, way bigger, but I was kind of, uh, just a bigger, stronger version of that insecure kid. Still like you put me in a gym in my thousand square foot basement gym with 20 kids, 20 athletes, even pro guys, whatever, super comfortable. I'm controlling the music. I'm running the show. I'm comfortable. I'm secure. I love that. But 
if you get me out in public, like again, I, I think I mentioned this at Summerstrong. I spoke at a seminar with with, with Dave, uh, Dave Tate and Jim Wendler, who are two of my closest friends at the time, Alec Cosgrove and CJ Murphy. So uh, three of my closest friends, and I don't know, ten other people. I remember Matt Rhodes and uh, and uh, Vinny Desenzo uh, were there. We're all out to dinner that night, and I didn't say a word. I was just super insecure and quiet and shy. And I'm like, man, I keep just going back to this. I hate, I hate living like this. Like the only place I can be comfortable is the gym. That's that's not right. That's weird. And you know, I, I didn't know, I didn't have this awareness until at some point. I, for years, I didn't have that awareness, and I was like, man, I got to start changing the way I'm living. I got, I got to like work on myself more. All I work on is training you know, growing myself physically and growing the business. That's it. I've got to grow myself like spiritually, emotionally, whatever it is. So just embarked on this journey and read hundreds of books, went to workshops, whatever. And just, it became my new thing in my practice just to get better with people and, and improve my self-confidence and my ability to communicate. And so I kind of shared that story at Summer Strong where I'm able to get up there now. I don't know if you guys saw like Brandon and I performed, uh, like did an improv scene in front of people and like you, if you said right now, hey, we're going to to the Staples Center and you're going to take the stage in front of 20,000 people, I'd say, let's go. Awesome. Like, I, I'll do that in a heartbeat. I love it now. But it was really hard for me to work on that. So I want to become strong in that way. And um, I, I, the, the, the talk I did was about becoming a super connector because it's, it's weird now for me where everyone's like, everyone who knows me is like, dude, you're like this super connector. And if, if people come to L.A., I get text messages every single day of the year, emails, phone calls. Hey, so-and-so is coming to LA. I told him he should know you because you know everybody. You, you should meet up or whatever. And it's like, you know, looking back 10 years ago, no one would have ever guessed that that's what, what, what would have happened and how it would have become known. So I just talked about, you know, the benefits of working on that stuff and how it could really change your life. Like nowadays, if we have a UFC party at my place, there's 30 people here and I'm fans of all of them. Like, dude, that's the author of my favorite book. Those are some of the most famous strength coaches or fitness experts in the world. Uh, those guys are on some of my favorite TV shows. Those are pro athletes. Those are pro wrestlers. And I can't believe it. But And, and not, not that it would matter if they worked at the Gap, but it's just like I, I had no one coming to my UFC party like years ago, you know? So, I mean, that's a huge barrier for people to break through, right? And was it just brute force that, that brought you to that point? Or was it just that culminating moment at, the, at dinner where you're like, why am I in this fucking glass case of emotion you know yeah it wasn't one particular thing it was just i've always kind of you know just gone all in on something and tried to be, and become obsessed with something whether it be sports or lifting or business or whatever and once i had this kind of light switch go off and this awareness that i i wasn't living the way i wanted to be and projecting myself the way i wanted to i became obsessed with it so i'd study people out in public oh i love how that guy acts i love how he touches someone on the shoulder i like how he pauses before he answers someone, I'd just be obsessed with observing human behavior. And okay, I do all those things that are fucked up. I got to stop doing those mm -hmm. and just work on it every single day, you know, and just, you know, just like you go to the gym and, and so people will say, Oh, I'm introverted. I can't do that. But you wouldn't walk in the gym on day one when you're 12 and say, well, I can't squat 315. You can't squat 315 today, but eventually you could work up to it. You could work your way up to doing anything. So did you have to train yourself uh, as a natural introvert to become an extrovert? I mean, we've, yep. uh, Tex and I have talked about this is, um, I mean, I'm, I'm an introvert, but I learned that uh, introverts don't get invited to any cool parties. 
So you have to almost put on this guys and then especially going out and teaching seminars and being out in the public eye, like you have to be able to put it on and um, be good and, and, you know, convince people of it and interact and like make all these kind of conscious decisions, which is, uh, you know, I always thought like, could you really flip it? And it sounds like maybe, uh, you know, through maybe mindset or just sheer, like Luke said, sheer fucking just brute force of being like, I'm not going to be this way anymore. Yeah, I, I think it was because now, I mean, in my DNA, I was definitely introverted. I was introverted for, you know, 30 years, 30 plus years. And now it's the exact opposite. Like, I'm, I don't have any of those tendencies whatsoever, which is still hard for me to even say or believe because it's crazy. But uh, like when people are coming over, I know I'm going somewhere. I'll start like literally almost vibrating sometimes because I'm feeding off the energy and I get so excited. And like sometimes my friend Jay will be like, dude, what did you take? Did you smoke? Or like, well, what, what do you want? I'm like, no, dude, nothing. I'm just so excited to be around people. Just high on life. Yeah. And a little crack, but I mean, uh, that's just. Yeah. No, no, cocaine. <laughs> Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Ooh, fancy over there with your cocaine. <laughs> no, that's, that's, we come across that in grooming coaches and interns oh, at times. Geez. And uh, it's just, there's this, it's hard to explain the process is just small victories and a lot of shame at times and embarrassment. And I, I say this a bit timely, I guess I, I first fucking not a, like I'm on social media, but not a big social media dude. But did, did you see that post I put up text? It was shortly yeah. after Wellborn gave me the old, uh, you know, going on the seminar staff is not a right. It's a privilege talk uh back in 2011 and he's like go do something and you came up with the idea of having me and benny oliver just make some fucking videos about the workouts yeah. and i have my very first fucking like set the camera up and talking to crossfit football nation this is luke from chicago right and just it's fucking bad and i just look when did you put this up well, today as i've told you guys but what I'm man getting at is like that if i looked at that person today i'd be like this guy's got <laughs> this guy's a lot of fucking work to do but it's over Iteration, yeah. iteration, opportunity, opportunity. Uh, dude, I, I remember it. It's, uh, dude, I, I had that artist come in and paint that, that skull. No, I mean, it's, um, it's just like anything. Like uh, the first day I walked in the gym, I wasn't strong. Uh, you know, like I, I try to pick up skills. I, I read somewhere a long time ago that if you, would li- if you want to stay mentally sharp and like stave off or starve off, uh, you know, fucking brain degeneration and, you know, haven't played in the NFL, CTE, all these things, is you constantly have to chase new skills and challenge yourself in different ways. And so the one that I picked up is welding. Like I wanted to become and like be really proficient at welding. And somebody asked me the other day, they're like, well, how did you do it? I'm like, well, I got a welder and I sucked (laughs) for about a year of literally just like going in to weld something, being like, I don't know how this is going to go. And, uh, and then finally got like, uh, some people made some recommendations, saw some people do it, like kept working the skill. And now it's like, uh, I'm I'm proficient enough for somebody to pass to think I know what the fuck I'm doing. And like, uh, they asked him like, dude, I was awful. Uh, I sucked until I didn't suck. And, and like, um, that was Dave Grohl's thing when they were like, uh, asking him about like, you know, how did you become a rock star? He's like, well, you get some shitty equipment, you go into your garage and you play with your buddies and you fucking suck 
for a really long yeah. time until all of a sudden you don't, you don't suck. suck as bad as you used to. And next <laughs> right. thing you know, you're fucking Nirvana. And I was like, <laughs> that's fucking huh, is that the way it goes? And like, it, 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 it's been like that. I mean, like, dude, the first day I walked in the gym, uh, I benched 115 pounds, which was pretty humiliating because uh, nobody wanted to lift weights with me because they didn't want to take off the 45s. So I was over yeah. in the corner lifting weights. And I remember thinking like, I just want to be strong enough so that the guys don't have to take off the 45s. So what did I do? I just fucking maxed out every day till I hit it. It took me like seven <laughs> days. Uh, totally fucking, I mean, but like that little bit of shame of not feeling like I'm adequate. And the other problem was, is that my brothers were all big and strong and played football. And like, I remember I went to the gym with them and I'm benching like 95 and my brothers fucking benching, like repping 405, like pretty consistently. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, Oh fuck. And they're just like, what's, why is your neck so fucking skinny? I, this is fucking embarrassing. Like, apple on a pencil. Oh, dude, yeah, right? like uh, orange on a pencil. So my brother would take an orange and he'd stab it with a pencil and flip it over and then be like, this is fucking you. And uh, like that fucking shame. You know, some people are like, oh, I'm going to cut myself. Or I'm like, I'm like uh, I just got to get fucking better. I'm going to bench like, press every day. Yeah, I'm just going to bench press every day until I get this thing up. But I think with just like anything is, um, and I, I, I have two little, or I have three kids, but I got two little girls and I try to explain this to them every day and they must think their fucking dad is insane. But I tell them to uh, really like enjoy and love the process of sucking and being a, like a white belt and a beginner. That there's like this process of like not being able to do something because they get frustrated. Like we work on spelling every night and they're so mad they can't spell words. And I'm like, but those words that we worked on last week, you can spell them now. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, isn't that a good sense of accomplishment? Well, we can't spell the new words. And I'm like, well, we're going to work on them. And then all of a sudden you're going to hit these milestones and you have to learn to love the process. And the day that you learn to love the process, everything becomes attainable. And yeah. that's where we run it. Like, I'll never be able to do that. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you love the process and you fucking literally embrace the suck of like, I'm cool with sucking at this. And everybody's so yeah. embarrassed to suck. And that's something for me. I'm like, I, I'll tell people straight up. I'm like, I'm not good at this yet. But if you give me the opportunity, I'll fucking knock this thing out. And I think the problem is, is that everybody just wants to show up and be strong. Everybody wants to show up and be 6% body fat. Everybody wants to show up and be a good welder or do, do this and this. And they just want to like pretend it's the fucking matrix. Like I'm Neo and they download the program and they become an expert. I can fly a helicopter. Yeah. And like, to me, that's fucking horseshit. And I think that's what's fucking wrong uh, that we run into in the society where you're like, dude, I started doing this shit in the 90s and the 80s. And I've been, you know, I sucked at all this time and I had to reinvent myself and figure all these things out and go through this process. And then somebody wants to be in there like, how come I just can't be like you today? And you're like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. you know how much fucking has gone into this? And I yeah. think like that's that's where I try to, you know, at least we do here at Power Out there. I constantly, whenever I talk to people, I'm like, dude, there's a process to get here, man. Like there's a roadmap, but all the cool shits on the, uh, on the road, like on the journey, you guys are just focused on destinations. So, so Jay, what was that first step? So you had the feeling of, I need to change, but what was the first step? Was it trying to talk at parties? Was it going to improv classes like you talked about at Summerstrong? What was step one? I, so for me, I, I started to distance myself from certain people. I felt like that was, that, that was number one. Because even though it's a cliche about the five people you surround yourself with and spend the most time with, I just became aware of the bad habits of people or the, the mindsets, people who were complaining all the time or gossiping or talking shit or saying it must be nice and that kind of shit. So I had to get that away from myself. Uh, because I kind of grew up in that household, right, where the glass was always half empty and my mom was... I mean, I love my mom to death, but she was terrified of everything. Like, oh, that's such a risk. You're going to get hurt. This is going to happen. Like, always terrified, always negative. So I, 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 first I had to distance myself, spend less time around family members, uh, cut out certain friends. 
And then I realized the next step is I just got to get out of here. Like, and, and, and I don't, I don't say that everyone has to move, but I heard this quote from Henry Rollins about getting out of your hometown. I mean, I was basically, you know, within a 20 minute drive, I, I would, I'd probably move three or four different times around. I did live one year in New York city, but basically for the majority of my life, I was in this little area in Jersey where, you know, I was, I was kind of, that, that was who I was for 35, 36 years. And people kind of knew me a certain way. And as, as much as I, felt as I was progressing and working on myself and changing just I knew environment triggered behaviors and there was certain things I couldn't do or escape so I had to move so I decided if I want to move I want to move to Cali move to the other side of the country and that's what really started so that was eight years ago so I, I, I felt like I could start over and reinvent myself and have a brand new beginning and that was the biggest game changer just getting out starting fresh leaving all the past behind and uh and then like you, you like you mentioned there improv was a huge thing for me uh, my friend John, John Morrison, who was a he held every title in WWE except the world title, uh, and he's uh, I think he's the TNA world champion right now. But he was doing an improv show one night at Second City, and Second City's you know where where Belushi, Belushi and Tina Fey and uh, Stephen Colbert and all these famous people came out of. So I go see the show, and afterwards I was like, man, I have to do that. That is amazing. And luckily, one of the one of the uh, teachers was there out at the bar with us afterwards. And he said, the next semester starts tomorrow. I said, send me the link. Let me sign up right now. And I jumped in. And, and that was a huge game changer for me. I highly recommend it to anybody. I, I think it should be required in high school or college. I wish I took it years ago. Dude, it, um, I mean, being able to get up and, and present a seminar and have a sense of humor and feel the flow and then realize, like, how it goes, like, it just, it, like, yeah. I mean, the, the, the original stuff I had Luke and those guys do was, like, I want you to go try to do something. At least we have something for us to work off of. And um, yeah. I mean, dude, I, I so I was a rhetoric major in college and we had a lot of public speaking and presentation and we watched a lot of really good what we call rhetoricians um, and just seeing like, you know, people's different approaches. You know, some people speak with passion, other people speak with humor, um, you know, seeing some people use, um, you know, uh, self-deprecating humor as a way to like protect themselves. And you see all these things kind of go in and then you realize that these are all just kind of tools to you know, work with a crowd. So no, I mean, the, the yeah. improv stuff's funny. So we're, uh, do you think you were funny? Uh, so what was interesting was when I started at second city for the first year through all the beginner levels, I was always one of the top three in my class. And that was because for the previous three years, I had just studied, uh, human behavior and psychology obsessively. So I kind of got it. And then as we progressed, in every level people would drop out like they were just going just for whatever just to improve some you know aspect of their lives and people would drop out they would drop out and then a year into it now you're in class with people who want to be on saturday night live and all of a sudden i'm falling down to the point where i was like the worst in the class so the first year was really fun because i was getting the most laughs when we're doing our shows and then all of a sudden i started to suck and it was like you said about sucking it's like okay you know, to get really good at this, I would have to dedicate every, like these guys are going out to open, like there's open mics for, uh, for improv. Like you just drop in and do improv all the time and they have teams and everything. So I was like, man, I got so much out of this. If I really want to be good. And then you don't want to weigh down the class and just be the anchor who sucks every time, you know? So I was like, I don't know. I'm going to kind of, kind of, I, I did it for consistently probably two years and then i was just so far behind everybody who's going out every night like people who are really talented where they could walk into an snl audition you're like i'm sure they will get this like they're so good uh but 
So I thought I did well, you know, and I still do it, but not uh, regularly like I used to. And all the while training, pushing people and empowering people, right? So I, I think it's, it's hugely important. Uh, we, we started to touch on this a little bit earlier where if you're a coach or you're a trainer, you have to be good with people. Like that is so important. If you're going to run your own small gym, like I, I've gone in, people have hired me for consulting for business or whatever. And I've gone in and watched them and they don't, it's not fun. They are not engaging. They don't have a great personality. Like, bro, you're in the wrong business. Like I remember Alan Cosgrove said years ago, he would much rather hire the bartender down the street. Who's great with people and is engaging and can make people laugh and can remember their names and teach them all they need to know about training. Versus if you have someone who's got a shit personality, but they're great in the gym. Like I, I've been in my, in, in gyms that my friend's own. And I'll pull them aside after. I was like, bro, either get that guy in some kind of class or, or fire him because he's killing the vibe in here. And these are my friends who are fucking phenomenal. Like they're entertained. They're amazing coaches technically, but then they're, you know, they're, they're quoting Martin Luther King. They're joking around. They're throwing ninja kicks. They're making it an experience, which is what you have to do. If you own a gym, it's got to be the person's third place. Like, like the Starbucks experience talks about like home work, the gym, you want them to want to hang out for two hours afterwards and that was what I, even though I sucked outside of the gym, I was able to create that in my gym for years. And uh, it, it's just so important to work on that kind of stuff. So there's so many strength coaches and trainers that I meet. I'm like, bro, forget about Zaskiorsk and all that shit for a year and just develop your personal skills and like go take some stand-up comedy classes and do anything. You I feel like you're talking that. to text directly. <laughs> no. I quote MLK all the time. <laughs> I take people from the darkness into the light. Uh, I'll tell you this. Uh, Tex, you've come on a long journey. Um, oh, I know. Uh, so th there was a time where uh, whenever Tex made a funny, I wrote it down. And I think it was on a post-it. Yeah. And that was it. For ants. Yeah. The smallest post-it in <laughs> Dude, the world. It was, uh, <laughs> it, he was uh, awful. We go in the seminars and I'm like, uh, you either need to have a pulse or we got to put in a new battery or uh, 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 like something. There has to what be is something. This, a roast? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it, it, he was bad. And you know what? And then he, and I remember you were like, so what do you think? I'm like, well, it wasn't very good. And you're like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to keep putting you up there. And be awful until you're not awful. Yeah. yeah. Jay, you want to hear my joke? Yeah, I did. Oh, God. What? This is amazing. Go so, for it. <laughs> this is amazing. Tell people to use their glutes, whatever the action is. We're talking squats, deadlifts, change of direction, right? Push. Use your glutes. It's a big ass muscle. Use it. <laughs> huh? And they're like, yeah, he's not oh, entertained. You're it. definitely not going SNL. Uh, so this was the like, like Tex would try to drop Gold. these jokes. Gold. And like, I would look around and be like, is this thing on? <laughs> hey, ladies and germs, I just flew in and boy, are my arms tired. Oh, like yeah. it was. What's the deal? <laughs> with homework? He literally would bomb. And uh, and he was like, like, I remember you were always thinking like, oh, is John going to be mad? And you would ask me, I'd be like, no, it wasn't good. But you know what? You're going to get another opportunity. To get up there, and um, uh, dude, I figured out like um, uh, personally for me that uh, opportunity is by far the greatest factor for whether evolution, self improvement, whatever it is. If you give somebody enough opportunity, eventually they'll either get better or just fucking never show up again. And yeah. so for these guys, I was like, I kept showing up. And he just kept showing up, and you know what? Uh, surprisingly, you had actually gave two funnies at one time, so I had to write, you know, use two two post its. Mm -hmm. But I think like that ability to have a sense of humor to get up and present, it's such a good like it's such a good um, 
skill to have. I mean, I, I remember um, uh, my dad and my brothers are all, or, you know, my dad since passed away, but was a, my dad was an attorney for over 50 years. And I remember as a kid going and seeing him in court and seeing how he acted and the demeanor and like, you know, the fact he was, a, you know, 6'3", so he's a bigger dude. People gave him respect. And I remember him talking about it. Like, it's not just how you present yourself, but, you know, your stature, your posture, how you speak, you know, uh, um, you know, especially for lawyers, like your briefcase, what you're wearing, like everything has to kind of tie together so that people know who you are and, um, you know, that complete package. Um, so yeah, you got to build your brand and then yeah. beyond brand. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And then eventually it just comes second nature. And then uh, I guess... Well, then you start becoming it. But I also think um, we and I forgot what podcast we had on, but we were talking about, uh, you know, that kind of that sixth sense where you don't know. I always put it back to when people are bullshitting and they don't believe it and it's unauthentic. And then all of a sudden, like something doesn't seem right. And it's because, you know, people, you know, we look for symmetry. We look for honesty. And that's why I think is endearing. If people can find some Ted, Ted Slingerland. Yeah. Trying not to try. Yeah. Trying not to try Uh, that idea of like honesty. Um, so I was going to ask, like, in, in your stuff and when, what you put out, I mean, it's obviously very personal to you and it's something that you believe in. But, like, uh, what kind of fitness crazes and what things have you seen kind of go that weren't very honest? Because, I mean, dude, now that you're in L.A., I mean, last 10 years, I mean, dude, the amount of things that have kind of come and cycled in the last 10 years is insane. Yeah. Oh, man. Where would you even begin with that? Um, well, well, here it, it is insane. Like, like the gimmicks that pop up left and right. I mean, every other day there's a new uh, – you know, group class type of thing. Uh, I, I can't even remember any of the names of them, but you just see the most ridiculous kind of stuff. And it's sad because, you know, well-intentioned people go and they're like, oh, I want to go there and lose weight. I'm like, bro, you could just do like a couple sets of chins and squats and get way better results than that. Like they're going, and I, I think that's really bad is this high intensity obsession that every workout has to be this super high intensity thing. And, and people don't know. They don't know any better. And even friends of mine, I, I try to explain it. So sometimes I just have to give up. But, like, everybody's so stressed out for the most part, especially if you live in, in, a, in a city and whatnot. And, and these days, people are overwhelmed. They're stressed out. So you're going in. You're doing this, this workout that is just crushing your system seven days a week, high intensity, breathing super hard. You know, like, low-intensity cardio went out. It wasn't cool to do for years. I think with, with people who are in the know, it's come back now. Yeah, you, you know, well, you got to build aerobic base. I mean, yeah. uh, like it's totally yeah. <laughs> like, I don't even know if we can fucking argue that uh, against that one anymore. Like right. I, I tried and I'm sure you did too for years to yeah. say like, oh, you don't need to build an aerobic base. I can uh, you yeah. know, develop an aerobic base through glycolytic conditioning and all this other shit. Yep. And then you're like, oh, building an aerobic base kind of makes everything better. Oh, OK, let's yeah. get back to that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, it bums me out to see that, to see people. You know, I, I have friends of mine in my, in, in my building who don't really know what I do. We're just kind of friends. We see each other and whatnot, and they tell me what they're going to do. And I'm like, oh, man, my heart breaks for these people. Mm-hmm. And they're just doing these high-intensity classes all the time, just burning themselves out, destroying their joints, wrecking their CNS, cortisol overproduction, not sleeping, and they don't understand why. And, uh, you know, going back to what we said earlier, I, I wish people would just learn to simplify and just do some basic strength training, uh, and that's the thing, too. People will take the basics, right? They're like, oh, I'm going to do these exercises, which are good exercises. Well, they'll do them in a circuit with no rest. And then it just becomes this high-intensity thing again. Mm-hmm. Can you, you guys lose me there? No, no. Okay. And, and it's, just, it's just destructive to your body again. So, so that kind of thing is, is what bums me out more than anything is, is seeing that. <clears throat> I got a buddy who's uh, our age or my age, not as old as uh, 
John and maybe Jay, but so he's 36 and he's in, he just, he's in law school, second or third year of law school. And he, all of his peers are, you know, like, uh, 19, 20. And he has a, this cohort group with a bunch of girls who have been on this juice cleanse and they're like all overweight chicks, just not in very good shape. And he's like, so tell me about the cleanse. He's switched on. He understands what we do here at Power Athlete. Tell me about this juice cleanse. And they're like explaining to him and he calculates it. And it's like 480 grams of carbohydrate a day. <laughs> and then now what they've so, done and 11 they, grams of protein they've just cycled off this juice <laughs> cleanse and asked the girl that's in shape who he describes as a 90 pound yogi girl with absolutely no butt and just looks like chewed bubble gum oh. so they want to they're aspiring to be this girl now and they say what do you do and she's like well all i do is uh yoga and i only eat beans Beans and rice. That's all. So now they're on this fucking beans and rice kick after this fucking juice cleanse to get their protein up. And he's just like, if he had hair, he'd pull it out. But Uh, he's like, I I just can't. Like, I I fear for these fucking poor souls. Uh, There is. Well, this is the problem. And you, you remember it was like the early, you know, late 80s, early 90s where you just saw the biggest dude in the gym. Hey, what are you doing? If I do what that's going to happen, it's going to work. Like um, my wife's in really good shape. She's super fit. And uh, constantly she goes to the gym and like the, the like a couple of the women were like, oh, you're in such good shape. Like if we could look at you know, this and they're like, how did you? And she's like, well, I had three kids and I didn't train for seven years. And then I came back and they had this um, like uh, I forgot it was like a fitness challenge. So you had to like, you know, fit my fitness pal, track your workouts and do all the monitoring. And she's like, my husband helped me with my diet. And, um, you know, I was doing this and this and they were like, oh, it sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> and she's like. Well, yeah, um, like uh, you have to record everything you eat. She's like, yeah, it's in my fitness pal. It's an app on your phone. And, and then takes you, and, and three then you, minutes of the whole day. And then you have to come right. to the gym like five days a week and get another. She's like, yeah, I'd go to the gym five days a week. And on the extra day, we do some like, you know, play around aerobic, uh, you know, aerobic work, ride the bike. I mean, do something. And they were like six days a week and monitoring all your food. And, and she's like, yeah, and follow a diet. And they're like, oh, it's, it's just way too much. And so then they were, she's like, oh, it's this. And. And yet, uh, and then the lady's like, well, I come to this gym three days a week and then I do this and she belongs to like four different gyms and this like, sure. you know, high intensity in the park and this and this. And so like my wife's like, well, how much does that cost? She's paying like six or $800 a month and all of these fucking things that mm-hmm. she goes to, including yep. Harry's gym. And, um, like it, it's just, it like, and, and like, it, like it's crazy. Like my wife's in good shape. She's like, I didn't train for seven years. Like I was super fit before this. And then I had kids and like, this is what did it. And they're like, oh, it seems like too much work. And you're like, well, then why the fuck would you ask? Like, it totally. just, like she exactly. was explaining it to me yesterday and I'm like, kind of like, oh, this doesn't make sense to me, but that's, I guess people want it, but they don't want it that bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jay, in your experience, when did did you did you notice a tipping point or turning point to the well I just want to get results now oh I have to put in x amount of work for x amount of time that's not going to work for me Wait so, sorry what was the question So in your experience we talked a bit earlier you know a, a client may come in or a coach may come in and say hey I want to I want to have capability x today like how long is it going to yeah. take and you're like well hang on man you got to put in some reps right or yeah. I want to lose 40 pounds in the next 2 weeks like, whoa, 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 hang on. It's probably going to yeah. take about three months, first off. Uh, so best case scenario. When did that mentality shift in your experience? Like where people were, were avo- are avoiding this long-term grit approach and they just want results now? Well, so for me going back, and this is what I always want, whenever I do business consulting with, with trainers, I tell them, even though it's hard at the beginning, 
you need to put food on the table and pay the bills. You got to turn down clients. You got to say no. So if someone comes in and they're like that and they have that mindset and you know, it's just not going to work out. I would turn those people down. And after I, at first I didn't, I took on everybody, but I got to a point where I was like, Nope, I would do, you know, make people apply to come to the gym. And if it, if it just didn't seem right, like it was some quick fix, instant gratification person that didn't realize that it was going to be a long time commitment and putting in the hours and the grind and the work. I didn't want them in there. So that was first and foremost. And then I think nowadays we live even more in that instant gratification kind of a world. And, you know, sometimes I'll have a picture of myself training or something on Instagram. People are like, Oh dude, how do I do that? And I'm like, I don't know, train 32 years straight and, and, you know, cheat maybe once a week. And, uh, that's the answer, you know, I don't know. Um, so I, it's, it's hard for me to, to, you know, lie to people and and sell people on that. It's like, dude, it's a long-term thing. Anything like you said, like welding, playing the guitar, becoming a good athlete, lifting, anything is going to take a very long time. Like I think we're all probably still in the process, like John with welding or whatever you're trying to do, even lifting, like I'm still learning, I'm still figuring shit out, I'm still trying to get better. It's a lifelong commitment to whatever you do. I mean, Jerry Seinfeld gets up every single day and writes for one hour minimum. You could argue that he would be good enough by now or he could retire. No, he gets up and he goes through the process every fucking day. Well, he, he's constantly honing his craft. I mean, yeah. it, it's for the same reason that you, you know, like people are like, what, what are you going to do today? I'm like, same thing we do every day. We start every day with lifting weights. And then yeah. they're like, are you ever good? I'm like, no. Like, there's never <laughs> a point where I'm like, I got this. There's never yeah. a day that like, you know, something doesn't happen that I can't correct. And I think like, but that's the, um, and I can't remember who, who I stole it from, but like, it might have been my You invented good. it. No. If I recall correctly. No, I think uh, like, like I, I always kind of went with like the, uh, you know, like always be a beginner, but I think it was Mike O'Hearn made something, a comment about like always be a white belt. And I'm, mm. I don't know if I'm crediting it to him or where it came from, but I'll just throw it out there. But like that idea of like always trying to be a beginner and like realize yeah. like, you know, don't have so much ego. Um, my dad didn't tell me well, the one piece of information or, or uh, finally advice he gave me was like egos killed more people than cancer. Like, mm. like when you get into a situation where egos driving everything, like sometimes you need to slow the roll and like realize that this thing's going to fuck you over. And I can go back and picture, you know, all these different points in my life where ego got me in trouble. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think like a lot of people get to the point where you're like, man, I'm not going to keep doing this to myself. I'm not going to let ego keep fucking my fucking me over. And, yeah. um, yeah. So like that idea of being a beginner and like, you know, like I don't know everything. And like the, the you know, and I try to tell this to my daughters too, is like the older you get, the more shit you realize you don't know. Cause of course they're like, Oh yeah, we know everything. I'm like, you're six years yeah. old. You should know everything. And then right. like, as time goes on, you realize how much little, but I, I think that's for the same reason that Jerry Seinfeld and these guys get up and do this stuff is cause they're forever honing their craft and like, they have to be ready. I mean, like, I mean, realistically, like, they, did you guys watch, um, like the whole series with like uh, comedians in, in cars? No, I didn't watch yeah. it. Uh, it's great. Unbelievable. Like, uh, it's one of my, like, if I ever got to be in that, like, I would love to drive around with Jerry Seinfeld. You'd have to be yeah. a comedian first. And before oh, you were a comedian, and you have to be into funny. one of his sports cars. That's also uh, Dude, I used to have a Porsche. I can fit in a Porsche. Mm. Custom seats. Get Tech. another one. Let's prove it. Tech art. I fit in there. <laughs> but I mean, like, kind of like that situation where, like, just driving him around and then, like, seeing, um, like, I'm, I'm totally drawing a blank on him, but like seeing the other comedians and seeing them in this more like kind of organic state and then like seeing yeah. the real personalities the process and the insight into how they work and think it's great. Yeah. And, and then to realize that some of them are not really funny. Like Seinfeld seems like a funny dude. 
right. but like some of the people there, you realize that like they're funny is more manufactured where other people, it's just really natural. And yeah. uh, like that was uh, that, that was like really telling for me to realize that like they had a switch where they could flip where like now I'm yep. funny now. And um, no, it, it was awesome. Love it. Yeah. One of my favorite shows. So what are you working on now, Jay? Uh, now we have, uh, in, in addition to the podcast, we have, uh, I do these events. I started doing them, I can't remember how many years ago. So, so that, that's really my main focus. I, I love doing those events. We do about six a year. And then in addition to that, uh, I have kind of a, a group that the guys can join and we, we do four additional meetups. So I do 10 of my own live events a year. Podcast is Renegade Radio, right? Yes. Okay, so just yeah. so people, if you want to get more of Jay, pop on it. But what, so, what are the events that you're doing? So, the last couple of years in Jersey at the gym, I was regularly doing, you know, just training workshops and seminars. And what people would come in, we, we we train for the whole weekend, run the whole gamut. And when, when I moved here, I didn't have a gym anymore. For the first two years I was here, I looked for space. Obviously, it's ten times more expensive than what I was paying in Jersey. Uh, it was hard to find space, and so finally. I kind of gave up on that and, and things were going well in the other regard. And, and I had some opportunities, you know, with, with going through this personal development stuff and talking about it in the podcast, a lot of really cool things came up. Like the Dodgers hired me and flew me into spring training for a week, just for kind of this personal development kind of stuff and relationship building. So I was getting a lot of opportunities like that. So I, I really wasn't focused on it for a bit, but then between the things I was doing with the Dodgers and with other organizations and, and, and starting to speak more, I kind of just come, I came up with this idea. I was like, I, I want to start doing events again. I don't have my own gym and I don't want it to just be pure fitness because I've kind of what I've gone through myself the last five years, I've seen how much of a difference and a change it's made. I want to share that too. So I created this event where <clears throat> it's pretty unique. I, I, there's not too many people doing something like this where uh, there, it's 12 guys. So I, I think in the future events, we're even going to limit it to 10 or eight guys, but we meet out on the beach at six in the morning. And so there's, there's a workout Throughout the weekend, there's there's probably there's a couple gym workouts, there's a workout on the beach, uh, there's hiking, there's a lot of different challenges like teamwork stuff. Uh, there's self defense training, there's breath workshops, uh, there's boxing, um, and we do some water sports and stuff like that. So it's kind of like this all immersive kind of uh, fitness vacation kind of thing, but but also a lot of personal development. So I'll do a bunch of different talks throughout the weekend, and then we'll just do roundtables where uh, guys will sit around. And we'll give them certain questions to answer, answer like tough, you know, deep introspective questions. And we'll have guys like we had uh, a Marine at the last event come out and just break down and was like, man, I've never told anyone this my whole life, but here's what happened. And uh, we, we, every event we have something like that. And I think in the day and age we live in nowadays, uh, it's really important. And a lot of guys are missing that from their lives. And you know, I'm the first person to support. Like, I have amazing female friends who are doing fucking amazing things. My, my, my One of my best friends is the WWE world champion right now. I One of my other best friends just got a million dollars in funding for a company. Like, I have so many cool female friends, and I support the shit out of that. But there is a lot missing for men right now. And, like, you know, there's this toxic masculinity thing. And I think that a lot of guys are just missing like that tribe and that connection and that brotherhood. So I, I just created this kind of event. It's like three days and guys just connect and they leave with new lifelong best friends. They say shit that they've never said before. And they have this amazing experience where we push them physically, mentally, emotionally. And uh, it really, it, it's, it's the most satisfying, gratifying work I've ever done. I really love doing it. No, dude, masculinity's under attack. 
Uh, yeah. it's not cool yeah. to be a dude. And, um, no, yeah, no, no I, I, like I was just on a podcast, uh, for, with John Howard and like, that was my big thing. I'm like, why can't we go back to like honesty and like being a good dude and like, uh, you know, simple and like, why do we have to overcomplicate? I'm like, honestly, right. uh, women got that fucking taken care of in terms of being overly complicated. Like let's, yeah. you know, <laughs> and uh, dude, I, I got in trouble. I got asked to speak at a, um, uh, at this event, the healthy, wealthy deal. Um, and they went in and they had, uh, that Peter, um, Sage. Sage. Yeah. Peter Sage. Who's a, you know, kind of a Tony Robbins guy from the UK is and actually his, uh, number two. So he's an interesting guy. Who does number two? Yeah, so, you up. so yeah, yeah, we got introduced to Peter Sage. So he was on our podcast. It was great. But he got in this whole thing about complexity in this. And then they asked me to speak. And I'm like, hey, um, when they like look at how uh, environmental things affect humans, um, like leaching plastic and all, you know, and I went through a bunch. I'm like, they don't look at it how they affect dudes because for the most part, we get Ebola termites and be fine. They look at it how they, you know, affect women because they have a much more uh, advanced system in terms of like, you know, childbirth and yeah. rearing and this sensitive like, yeah, like they're a host, man. Way more sensitive, way more evolved. And I'm like, that's cool. Uh, I don't want to be highly evolved. I want to be more basic and like simplistic. And I think men get a lot of uh, anxiety and we have problems when you add too much fucking complexity to things. I'm like, it's like, um, you know, just try to simplify. And I kind of went through this whole thing and it was not received well. Like there was people there, like there was women with their husbands and the husbands were kind of like looking. I'm like, God damn it. And and to the point where like I got done speaking and I literally just tried to walk out the back door (laughs) and like they fucking, she called me and asked me a question as I was like, literally like kind of like, like roller skating out the back door to shut it. And uh, I was like, dude, ah, and then when I saw Doc Parsley, he's like, Hey, uh, what was going on? I'm like, uh, I've never had energy like that before. For the most part, people were pretty receptive. I can use humor to this and this. And I'm like, they, and he's like, well, we just spent three days learning about how complex we are as people and trying to break this shit down. I'm like, then why the fuck would you have me be there on the, on the third day? I'm like, that's just setting me up for failure. I'm like, dude, right. I, I like, I could eat the same thing for every day. If there was like some form of like barbecued meat and like some green vegetable dude. And like, uh, I would eat that for every meal. Like I, I've driven the same car for 12 years, not because I'm cheap, but because I like that truck and I'll drive it to the fucking, the, the wheels fall off. <laughs> Penny pinching well, uh, no, I just like the fucking truck. Like, so John, uh, people, think, but like, that's, that's yeah. the, like, that's the interesting thing. And then you get into a situation where I think, uh, you know, Hey, like let's lift some weights. And, and also guys bond through actually doing shit. Like women like to sit oh. around and talk and they bond, but guys actually bond, uh, through projects. Like, yeah. um, and that's why we do stuff around here. It's being like, Hey, we have a project to do. And I think that's more beneficial than, mm-hmm. you know, like, and I'm sure, uh, most of the breakthroughs and the things that you guys have done have come on the heels of doing something teamwork and difficult, you know, difficult. Absolutely. Yeah. So John, yeah. Oh, sorry, Jay, go, go. No, I was gonna say it was interesting, uh, in, in traveling a lot recently, even, even my most recent trip, we just got back from Hawaii a few days ago. And when you leave the resort area and we're going around to like places where the locals hang and these cool little beaches, I, you know, I was kind of looking at, at, at their culture and like you, you'd go to these little local beaches and there's just huge families. Like on a Wednesday afternoon, they're cooking out, having fun, playing catch, whatever. And other parts of the world, like this is a first world problem that we don't know who we are and we have to find our identity and all this weird shit. Whereas people know their identity, like in tribal cultures like that in, in, in parts of the world, maybe that they don't have so much money. They're not so involved. They're not on the internet all day. Like people know who they are. They know their role. They're not worried about like the, like the women that were at these cookouts weren't looking as the men at the men as toxic and this and that. It was like, these are old school men. They know their role is to protect their family 
take care of their tribe, and that's it. Like, they're not confused by all these first world issues we have. And if you travel a lot, you see that. It's only really here that we're obsessed with that kind of thing. And, and like you said, John, if you just simplify and what, what's, you know, what's your role going back tribally, like, it's, it's to, you know, protect, to defend, to mate, to, to help, you know, to feed people. Like, you got to simplify things. Yeah, no. So they, just they, a quick question, though, John, and Jay, I guess, as well. Because I, I like to think, and maybe you're like, that's why you're so fucked up. I like to think I thrive in complexity. However, do you think what's so exhausting causing all this shit is like, regardless if it's complex or simple, right? You're in a, you find yourself in a dynamic, whether it's environment, group of friends, relationship, marriage, where you, you constantly have your guard up, right? And you're, you, like you said, maybe it's because you don't know who you are or you're pretending. And then all of a sudden you get in a situation where either you're building a project and you realize that all of this shit that you, are, you have your guard up for doesn't matter. And you just let your guard down and you're like, holy shit, it feels good to just fucking be myself in front of the people I'm here with. Why the fuck don't I do this all the time? I think uh, part of the problem, at least what I've run into, um, at least just this is purely observational. Don't fucking quote me on any of this. But um, I think uh, we had a weird kind of change in the family structure. And I, I saw this in the NFL where a lot of those guys had been raised by women and uh -huh. without a, a positive right. uh, role model. Like okay. my dad was always in the house. Um, he worked a fucking ton and we saw him on the weekends and there was like projects like we had to wash the cars and we did all the shit and he was constantly like, like there was never any, like my dad said, my dad never sat around and was like, um, so how are you today? It was like, come on, we got to wash the car. And we would talk about like that type of stuff. Like, uh, I remember when I came home from college, uh, I had taken a class and like stuff and they had talked about like male role models and whatnot. And I, uh, I went to go hug my dad which was like this world's most uncomfortable thing to him. Mm -hmm. He was like, Oh, and like put his hand out <laughs> yeah. and I, and I like went to shake it and I was like, Hey dad, you know what? Like, um, I want to give you a hug. And he was like, so weirded out. It took me like 10 years of yeah, trying same. to do it finally you, for him to just give me overpower a hug. the big guy. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember like at one point, like I was probably in my like thirties where my dad like gave me a hug and was like, I love you. Mm -hmm. And like, it was probably like one of the only times he ever said it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, so like, but like that's fucking that old school mentality where it was like, there was no sitting around talking about how things were. It was like, we either had right. to do something. We do, you know, Hey, we got to stack wood. We got to do this. We got to mm -hmm. wash a car. Like that was like, there was always uh, like sitting down. I remember as a little kid and my dad had like a shoe shine box and teaching me how to shine shoes. And I was like, you want me to try? And he's like, well, there's a box over there. And I'm like, well, do you want me to shine your shoes? He's like, yeah. And we sat down and we shined those shoes. And so when my mom, my dad passed away, my mom's like, do you want a shoe shine box? And I was like, oh, I don't know. And he had like 12 of them. And I was like, fuck, why do you need that many shoe shine boxes? Like, no idea. And so like going through these things and kind of seeing it, um, I'm just sad that it took so long for my dad to kind of break down. So for my kids, I tell them every day, I love you. Try to hug them as much. I mean, you've seen like, and what's cool is uh, the, our gym that we train at is just up the hill from my house. So my little boy, who's two and a half, gets up at 530 because he knows that I, I, we leave at six to work out. And then he comes up and works out with us. And it's the That's fucking awesome. coolest thing. But like, That's I think the, the issue comes down to is um, I don't think guys uh, have a positive role model. And everything yeah. that we know is about as guys is kind of under attack. Like, um, you know, fucking vegan people being like, well, this is just men who want to kill. Th I mean, it's like, fuck it. We get attacked from everything. And uh uh, like it's fucking warms my heart to hear Jay doing the same thing where it's like, you're not wrong. Like, I think that's where, like, if, if you plug into any social media or any type of media outlet right now, all you ever hear about is, uh, you know, 
oh, you know, this is men doing this and this. I mean, shit, we were talking about yeah. it today with the Kavanaugh thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, here's a situation where, like, everybody believes him. Like, and whether or not it's true or not, like, eh, fuck, man, if we're held accountable for shit we did 40 years ago when that stuff wasn't necessarily, right, like, right. viewed in the same way, like, I mean, I'm sure there was shit we did when we, I mean, uh, not like what they're claiming he did, but, like, shit, we streaked, we did stupid stuff. If oh, you're yeah. going to come back to me 30 years ago and be like, well, you're going to get arrested because you guys streaked or did something stupid. Yeah. Mooned somebody. Yeah. Like, I mooned everybody. Yeah. And that and was that's just 20 a, years ago. Allegedly. But, uh, yeah. but also, I mooned everybody. But also, are we in a situation, I mean, part of the reason, like, we moved out here to Texas is so that, so that there's shit to do. Like, if you come visit, like, we can go cut down trees and like we can do like do like, like burn, yeah. I mean, dude, burn bands we, we, we had, we had a burn, burn pile on. that was as big as my building. And like to the right point up. where we were out there and like the picture is like it's fucking 40 feet high. We burned this big pile where I got wow. nervous and went and rented a skid steer in case the shit got out of control and I could like make a fire break. But like yeah. I, I think like that's what dudes are missing, man. Like they almost need like um, either a positive role model or dad or somebody or like you said, they, they go to something like your event where it's like it's OK, like. That's like, this is how, you know, like, I, I think it's making you feel more uncomfortable and also realizing like, dude, uh, things like honesty and being a good person and like, you know, having, um, your word means something and hard work, like that shit never goes out of style, like regardless of what you hear. So that's yeah, my thought. Totally. It's funny. You guys know Sebastian Maniscalco? No. Seabass? <laughs> Sebastian Maniscalco is my favorite stand-up comedian. He okay. saw him the other night and he does this uh, whole bit on just what you're talking about there. And he goes, uh. He's talking about how his wife's family goes, you know, they, they share things. They talk. He goes, me and my dad, he goes, if I was going to go find myself as a kid, my dad would say, the fuck's the matter with you? I found you. You're right here. Go, 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 go along. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> he goes, that... oh, yeah. He goes, I met my dad formally when I was 18. <laughs> he was always at work. He came in and said, hey, I'm your dad. Get to work. Dude, uh, I remember as a little kid, because my dad, uh, you know, uh, worked so much, uh, we would, like, beg my mom to stay up, and then we would try to, like, oh, hide yeah. and, like, sneak in, like, awesome. when he came home. And, like, I just remember, like, I didn't really see him during the week, but on the weekends, like 6 a.m. banging on our fucking windows like get up and like we got a car you know and there was always like a list of fucking projects that we never finished and then it'd be like oh did we get everything done no i'll see you here next weekend <laughs> and it was like this forever thing man and i just like i just remember for like the first probably 10 15 years of my life i didn't even think he liked me I'm like, uh, you know, like, like uh, yeah, he's your dad. Like, I just remember, like, thinking, I'm like, God, I don't know if this dude likes me. I don't know. I'm obviously lazy. So he tells me that all the time. And we don't work hard. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, my mom yells at me all the time. I just remember being like, uh, you know, it's, so it's just, it's a funny demographic. I laugh about it now. Most kids probably would have been scarred. But uh, I, I like, I think people need the struggle, man. And they need to feel yeah. like they're, they're uh, not in it by themselves. And I think, like that's the hard thing for a lot of the guys that we encounter. And I'm sure you do too, where it's like, dude, you're not alone. Like you have a group, like you have your tribe, you have your clique, and, um, you know, like just fucking hard work, man. Go, go lift some weights, fucking cook something. Don't listen to your girls, yeah. fucking vegan, fucking juice cleanse slash bean fucking diet. Cause that'll just do nothing but kill your testosterone levels. And next thing you know, you'll be a eunuch and, uh, yeah. fucking don't be a cartoon, you know, shouldn't be that hard. No, and you know what I think I, I see a lot of guys struggle with these days is, is being a fake nice guy. So I guess, you know, for whatever, maybe to be politically correct, whatever it might be, out of, out of insecurity, they try to appease everybody, try to be super nice all the time. And I went through this journey myself, and I've seen so many people go through it, where a lot of years, I would, you know, I covered myself in tattoos, and I, I, I gained 80 pounds, 
And I always had kind of this rough exterior and tried to project this image that wasn't who I really was. Once you got to know me, you'd found you find out that I joke around a lot and I just like, you know, watch the Chappelle show and everything. But I would project that outward image. And then as I got more secure in myself, I could let people know, like, dude, I'm just I'm just a goofball. I like to joke around. Now, if we're training or even some of my best friends, like one of my best friends was doing something that I considered weak behavior and he was and he was being insecure. And I was like, dude man the fuck up, like grow some fucking balls. Like you could still be a man. I, I'm still like, I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't say a tough guy, but I still have like that, that, that kind of hardness to me as well. But the reality is so many guys you see nowadays try to be nice to everyone and appease everyone and try to be politically correct in this, in this kind of landscape that we live in. There's, there's a couple books that are good for those people to read. Like one is no more Mr. Nice Guy. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the other one. But it's like, man, be be true to yourself. Be honest. And it's okay. Like, make fucking decisions. Take a stand. Like, be a leader. You don't have to be, you know, just because there's assholes in the world that are getting accused of doing awful shit, that's horrible. But you don't have to fucking suppress yourself and be less of a man, you know? Well, I mean, but but that's also if you uh, what was the whole deal we were talking about feminine energy. I think it was on uh, Peter it Sage. Peter Sage. Yeah, yeah, he said like the feminine energy of like um, the uh, uh, what is it uh, the placating, like the uh, uh, the appeaser, you know, always trying to make everything good and you know make yeah. sure everybody's you know taken care of and this and like that's a a very uh, female piece of energy. And I think like that's where we get into it. Like I just think the gender roles are confused. Like I mean, shit, you were saying you were in Hawaii, and dude, my training partner in college was from Kaneohe which is on the west side of Oahu. And, dude, we went out and barbecued with his family, and it was very, very real. Uh, the dudes cooked the meat. The women handle everything else. So and everything's like like the dudes were cooking and they put a little put the meat down and the women did everything else. And then they went and they played the ukulele. We hung out. We went body surfing and the woman cleaned everything up. And I was like, OK, this is pretty good. I'm good at burning shit and I like to go body surf. But like I think those gender roles like nobody like like there was no confusion in the gender roles. And um, yeah. I just think like, you know, there's certain things and I. Uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of women's stuff I don't even want to get involved in. And I tell my yeah. wife, I'm like, awesome, I'll handle this, you handle that stuff, and we're a good team in that way. I just think people get confused in their gender roles. So Yeah. And, Jay, what you're doing, you're providing a team outlet. Think about high school yeah. sports, college sports. Those were the days we still talk about those war stories. Well, you're presenting. They talk about it every day. I've never met guys that live more in high school than you two fuckers. Whoa. High school? John, I peaked in Division Three. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. College. Whoa. What's wrong with that, bro? <laughs> you know I peaked in high school. But you're providing that outlet. Maybe those guys didn't play sports back in high school, or maybe they just missed that. So this becomes that opportunity to create more. Are you talking about CrossFit? No, I'm talking about what where they Jay's didn't doing. do anything in high school, but yet now they're elite. No, I'm not saying these guys are elite. They've just found an outlet for them to create more stories that in then 10 years they can exaggerate. So like uh, CrossFit. Story Bank. <laughs> yeah, Story Bank. Story Bank. Yeah. Need a good story So what bank. you're saying is that, you did, is that you didn't do any cool shit in your teens and 20s, and now you're trying to make up for it in your 30s? I'm not a CrossFitter, no. <laughs> oh, shots fired. Uh, shots fired. Well, good. your Fran time would disagree. You know, you want to know my best friend time? Yes. The time I didn't do it. Hey, oh, that's another See? one of these jokes, people. Uh, there you go. So speaking of knowing your role, Tex is the funny man. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, you're not funny. That's okay. No, you're you're getting funnier. Yes. No, I'm I'm Team Tex on this. You're fine. Everything's yeah, fine. Everything's, everything's fine. You're fine. See, there I am so, appeasing. Jay, you know about self-deprecating humor. John's really good at deprecating humor. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm good at projecting deprecation on you. Yes, I would agree. 
Yeah. But that's how, I mean, you got to remember, I grew up with older brothers. You guys, I grew up with sisters. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, you know, when you're the youngest of three brothers and literally for like the first, um, I don't know, fucking 20 years of my life, I was like, I mean, this whole like positive reinforcement thing is a completely new thing. I'm like, I didn't hear this from my parents. My brothers just told me I was fucking stupid. Remember I told you the story about Eddie with the uh, uh, orange on the fucking uh, pencil? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. that was my daily life. And then I remember like you go out in public, or you're talking to your buddies and you just start like fucking ripping on them. They're like, whoa. I'm like, wait, that's not how all people talk to each other right. all the time? So it's just a little different. Man, Jay, yeah. hey, thanks for taking the time to chat with us. I guess if people want to hear about or go check out the, these events you're throwing uh, on where, or the podcast, where do you want them to go? Uh, so RenegadeRadioPodcast.com or uh, RenegadeExperience.com. Well, dude, if you want to do one here in Texas, man, we got 16 acres and a bunch of crazy shit out here. So if you want to come out here and do a country style, man, we'd love to. Uh, Chop down some trees, burn them, crazy. breaks of glass. Dude, I got 1,400 foot of creek uh, in our backyard. Um, with like, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of, like, I, I always think like if we did something shit, man, like there's so much shit we could do, right? Be like, Hey, we're going to cut all these trees down and carry them out to our burn pile and then shit shit up and then throw beer bottles at it. Yeah. Now we're talking. Yeah. That's, That's a party. A, yeah. I, I got to come down and hang and see this. Dude, we'd, we'd love to have you, man. And, uh, yeah, I would love it. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. Sure. And next time we're in California, we'll reach out. I mean, my family still lives all, everybody lives out there. I mean, kind of oh, like yeah. you. Yeah. I, I grew up in Torrance, Palos Verdes area. Okay. And then, uh, you know, moved to Orange County and lived there for a number of years. And then just was like, we got to go and pulled the ripcord, yeah. came here to Texas. How long have you been down there now? Uh, we moved out here. Two years? Yeah. Uh, well, basically January 1st, uh, 2017. So we're coming up here on okay. two years we've been out here. But I, I lived, I mean, geez, I lived in Jersey. I lived in Florida. I lived in, you know, Kansas City. I've lived all over. And I just yeah. kind of came back to, you know, uh, California. And I ended up getting stuck in the OC. And uh, God, I wish I hadn't moved to Orange County. Like, I wish I had stayed in, like, Manhattan Beach or Moshe Beach, that, that kind of area. Um, right. I fucking hate the OC. Like, I'm so sorry you guys had to live there, dude. It's just, it's so just weird. Yeah. And no, it was, good. It was a good great pit show. stop for me, man. Yeah, but now, like, but, and, then, and yeah. then we came to Texas, and I'm like, man, I, I just, I, I don't mind going back to visit, but. Oh, yeah. 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 And then, like, uh, my, since my dad passed away, my brothers want my mom to move down there. She still lives in PV, and uh, she's like, no way. I won't move to Orange County. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm I, I can't be an Orange County person, which yeah. is so funny because it's so close, but it might as yeah. well be a different state, you know? I mean, oh, especially yeah. for you living in like Venice, if somebody's like, oh, hey, you know, I'm having a party down in Orange County. You're like, whoa, I, yeah. uh, are we going for the whole weekend? You want me just to drive down there? <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right. like that might as well be fucking going to like, I mean, yeah, drive yeah. across the country. Oh my God. You know, to, yeah. to, to be able to handle the 405 on like a Friday afternoon, you're like, oh, oh fuck, it's going to yeah. take me four you're hours. Aging fucking dog ears on that road, man. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know, dude. I Especially when you're going 98, <laughs> watching a movie. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good one. So, well, thanks, amigo. We'll, we'll be in yeah, touch. Jay was Thank awesome. You. Thank oh, you think, guys so much. I appreciate it. All right, Nation, that's another episode in the books. Until next time, bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. You can find Jay Ferrugia on social media or head to his website, jayferugia.com. This is another friendly reminder that if you have not been training or preparing for Wade's Wad, you better get to it because it is no joke. It's five rounds for time of 11 single arm power snatches, 12 single arm dumbbell thrusters, and 11 weighted pull-ups. The rep numbers signify the date that Wade lost his fight to cancer, November 12th, 2011. We have some RX weights, but don't let that discourage you from going heavier, particularly ladies. I think I've only done this with a 50-pound dumbbell before. 
not for the weighted pull-ups, but I'm just saying, don't limit yourself. Really, really put some effort into this workout and find a way to think about weighed on that special day. Until next time, bye!